I was thinking, actually my wife just a minute ago about something, and it came to my mind about a story. Years ago, we were young in our early 20s, and my son was about one, one and a half years of age, just back in like 91, 92, somewhere around there. And, you know, we owed money to the IRS at the end of the year. And I was really bummed about that. You know, everybody likes to get money back. And we all want to see God give us, you know, you know, we were leaving God like everybody else, you know, something back in the mail to help us out with our bills or whatever we wanted to do that year. And instead, we ended up owing money, so we thought. And so we were preparing our taxes and trying to maybe work a little extra, doing a few extra things to, you know, get our money together that we owed the government. I don't remember the amount that we actually owed. But all of a sudden, we get a check in the mail. And the check is from the IRS. Now, normally when you get something from the IRS, you open it up, it's just the absolute opposite. You're thinking, oh, no, what is this bill going to be? How much do I owe, right? I thought I was going to owe this much. It's going to be so much more. Instead, we got a check from the IRS for $750. Did you hear me? $750. Now, back then, that's probably like, at least 1500 bucks back in those days. Praise God, that was incredible. We were so excited. And so we, we called, and we got, we got through to them, and they said, well, you know, we, we ended up owing you money. Well, okay, great. Next thing you know, uh, several weeks later, we got another check for another 700-some-odd dollars from the IRS. You know God is at work, praise God, when they're paying you when you thought you were paying them or supposed to pay them back. And they give us a check. We called them and said, no, it was our mistake. And they showed us what they did. And they ended up giving us, uh, what was it, over $1,400 back again. In today's world, that'd be close to $3,000 back. You know, for a young couple with a brand new son, that's a pretty good deal. So in other words, it was a peculiar situation, kind of like the times we live in right now. We live in a very peculiar time right now. But I believe after it's all said and done, just like we got those mysterious checks in the mail and they ended up owing us, I believe we're going to be better off after it's all said and done. The title of my message this morning is Better. Father, this morning we give you praise and we give you glory. And Lord God, this is not the circumstance that we wanted to have, Lord God. We were having such incredible momentum, Lord God, and we're so thankful for that. But we believe we're not going to miss a beat. We believe we're hearing your spirit to keep people safe, Lord God. At the same time, we're believing for the supernatural to remove COVID-19 from our area, our state, our country, and the world in Jesus' precious name. We put our faith together today, and we claim our healing today, for by your stripes we were healed, already done in Jesus' name. We continue with that today, Lord God. We believe you for total health in our bodies, Lord God. Not just that we will be healed from COVID-19, but whole from it. It will enter our bodies, nor will it come nigh our dwelling in the name of Jesus. God, we ask you to bless this message now, Lord. God, let it have be filled with revelation knowledge in Jesus' precious name. And the church said, amen and amen. You know, you could actually write amen in the comments. We'd love to have that. By the way, let's give the devil a black eye. You heard my wife a moment ago. Let's just give him a, a black eye. You know, he tried to knock us down so we can't have our in-person service for a little bit. But now watch this. Uh, why don't we go ahead and like and share this right now? This will give the devil a black eye. You know, I'm not comfortable with that. You know, there are some things you're not comfortable with, but God expects us to do. Sharing the gospel is one of those things. Go ahead and share this with your people, with your friends, and You'd be surprised the people that tune in as a result of your just desire or obedience, if you will, to just share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's drive those numbers straight up, man, and just make hell shake this morning. Amen and amen. Well, I'm going to read to you Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to take our text from that today. Um, and verse number 1 says this. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, and that's a desire for all of us to have, the rest of God. 
Let us fear or be respectful, lest any of you seem to have come short of it, the rest of God. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. So they're hearing the word of God, but they're not, being pro- they're not profiting from the word of God. It's not manifesting. It's not materializing in their life. That's a problem. That may be a problem in your life. He said, watch this. Here's the, here, here's the reason why. Because it's not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. You can hear the word of God, but not be a doer of the word. Hearer and not a doer, you deceive yourself. In other words, it's not going to come to pass. But if you hear it and then mix it with faith... Faith is corresponding action. It's doing what the word of God says. I believe so much, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. He said, because of that, they did not enter into the rest. For we who have believed, are you a believer? I'm a believer. For those who have believed, do enter the rest of God, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Although, watch this, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. My works were finished from the foundation of the world. Church, when were God's works finished? From the foundation of the world. So before we ever got to 2020, God before the eons of time, talking about thousands, millennials of time, of going all the way back to the beginning, from the foundation of the world, God said, I finished my works. What I'm going to do, I've done. Even for 2020. He did it from the foundation. Man, I'd hate to come out this far in my wilderness or in my life. Come out this far and not have what God promised I'm to have. Or not to be able to attain or not to be able, or just in fact, just to miss what God wants me to have. What a terrible thing that would be in our lives. We'd missed our opportunities in God because of our unbelief. Because we would not enter his rest through believing his word and then applying his word by faith in our lives. What God, the Bible says this, what God starts, he ultimately finishes. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Whatever God started in you, he's intending to finish in your life. Somebody say amen. Give me some hearts. Give me some love. I want to see some thumbs up. I want some people writing in the comment, amen, pastor. Preach it, pastor. Oh, I feel it now. I'm feeling my help come now. Hallelujah. Many people believe that the book of Hebrews was written by Apollos because of the intellectual depth and the eloquence of the text. Nobody knows for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some believe it was Paul. Others believe it might be Apollos, which uh, actually is mentioned, he's mentioned in the word of God. For instance, to the church in Corinth, after Apollos had been there evangelizing, preaching, doing his apostolic work there, Paul came by and Paul said, I did not come to you with eloquent and swelling words that others teach, but with the simplicity of the gospel. In other words, people believe, theologians believe that it was because Apollos had already been there in Corinth before Paul showed up and Paul didn't talk as eloquently as Apollos did. You know, some people are just better at speaking than other people are. Although Paul was an incredible writer and author, we don't know how he actually spoke. But we do know that Apollos had some sort of uh, a way of communicating that was very unique and very powerful. He said, I didn't come to you like that, but I came to you with the power of God. In other words, he's saying, could it be that that Apollos, uh, following Apollos was kind of a hard act to follow. Apollos addressed the culture of his day, by the way, 
as does the Bible. Even though the book is over 2,000 years old, our, our New Testament, and then 4,000 years before that with our Old Testament, it still addresses the people issues and people problems today. And I want to say this. I want to just put me on record. God's not colorblind. Did you hear what I said? I am so thrilled that I pastor a church that looks like the rainbow, y'all. I'm so glad when I stand up here and I see your faces up every single Sunday, I know that there are people that are here of all different ethnicities. They're, they're red and yellow, black and white, and they're all precious in his sight. And we left anybody out, we're sorry. Because we understand that God brings who he wants into his house. As a matter of fact, God does not want his house to be divided. God does not want his house to be segregated. God does not want a mass exodus of a certain group of people to leave a certain kind of church because they don't have a certain color of a pastor. I'm preaching real God, good now. I'm starting to hear some people say, amen, pastor, preach that. I know there are people watching me right now that are all different ethnicities that believe in the fact that I'm a man of God and that I, I speak the word of God, that I prophesy the word of the Lord. I have great friends and pastors of all different colors, and they watch me, and they want to hear what I've got to say. I'm nothing but honored. My wife and I are nothing but honored that as a white man in America, we got different types of people that want to hear what we got to say, or thus says the Lord through our life. We're grateful for that. God's not colorblind. God didn't make it so that, well, I, I like the white people best or I like the black people best and therefore I'll stick with that group and then I'm blind to all the other colors. No, he made us, he distinguished us the way that we're supposed to be. But in the last days, I'm preaching too much on the subject right now, but I guess it's in my spirit. He said that all ethnicities, all nations, that means ethnicities, all ethnicities will what will, will, will come and flow into the house or the mountain of the house of the Lord. God says all different colors, creeds, and, and cultures are coming in. And he said they won't be multicultural. No, no, no. He said it's going to be multi-ethnic, but it's going to be one culture, and that culture is going to be my kingdom. God sits on the throne, and God's not a certain color of skin. He don't even have skin. He's spirit. Come on, somebody. But he made us the way we are. And we're supposed to express ourselves the way that we express ourselves. And we love, our, we love each other and all our differences and all of our similarities. We are one race called the human race. And that's all I got to say about that. Hallelujah. And when Joseph was favored, he was favored with a cult of many colors. Many colors. Amen. And so it is with us. When God shows favor, he shows it in many colors. Just like Jesus. He becomes all things, Jesus does, to all people. His message didn't change, but the method always changed to reach and touch people. And the book of Hebrews was designed to reach a group of people that were walking with God for thousands of years called the Jewish people at that time. And all they had known of God, all they ever known of him, was through the Old Covenant, or what we call the Old Testament. But it was a covenant that God made through Abraham, and even before that, it was the, it was the, it was the um, Adamic covenant that God had in the garden, and then the Abrahamic covenant. Well, there was a Mosaic covenant as well. But it's called the Old Covenant. And their struggle of writing the book of Hebrews wasn't like the struggle of the Romans. And the struggle of the, of the Israelites were not the struggle of the Romans, because the Romans were polytheistic. They believed in many gods, but the, the Israelites were different. The Jews were different. They only believed in one God. Everybody else had multiple gods for multiple different things. That's why God said, I'm the most high God. Come on, somebody. I can preach that right there. God is above all other gods, and he said, I'll have no other gods before me. He rebukes the human race and says, I'm God, and I stand alone. Somebody say amen to that. 
And so he, the book of Hebrews is responding to that in a polytheistic world. He's responding and says, no, it's theistic. It's only God and him alone. The struggle of the audience of the book of Hebrews was that it's trying to reach a people who only served one God. And they were steeped in their traditions. And at some point they'd walked away from God and there was no more sacrifices being done in the temple of God and, and they were besieged by the Romans at the time, and that's the reason why there was no sacrifices. And so they were, they were held, held captive by them. And, and so Jesus comes on the scene, but they don't recognize Jesus because it had been so long since they knew who God was. All they knew him through was through their symbolisms and, and through their, their traditions, their oral traditions, and then, of course, the traditions of the Old Covenant itself, even through the feast. But, you know, God's more than a dinner. God's more than a Seder dinner. God's more than a symbol. He wants to have a real, viable, vital uh, relationship with his people. Jesus came on scene and said, you can have it through me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man can come to the Father except by me. He ratifies the old covenant and then goes to the cross. And with the shedding of his blood, he doesn't, he doesn't get rid of the old covenant. He fulfills the old covenant and he says, now you've got a better. Everybody say better. Put that in your comments. We got a better covenant. Jesus even said he was preaching and he wanted to bring great miracles onto the scene and, and he, he couldn't do it. He could only perform a few miracles. And he said these words, you've made the word of God of no effect. You've relegated the word with no power. Because of your traditions, because you look more to your symbolisms and the washing of your hands and the washing of the cups than you do to the almighty God himself. God forbid that God's people get in a place where that we have a form of godliness, which the Bible predicts that will happen in the last days, a form of godliness, but denies the power thereof. We're not to deny God's power. And sometimes God power, God's power comes on the scene in a way that we don't necessarily are, are comfortable with. But when God wants to move, he gets to move. In our church, he gets to move. He'll do it right online, right where you're at. He might move on you right now in the middle of your family. And you start, oh my God, start moving and crying and shaking. And you just, God's on you. Go with that. Praise God. He'll minister to you the way he wants to minister to you. The theme of the book of Hebrews is called the book of better things. It's a better covenant. That's what the Bible says. It's better than the old. Let me make this statement. God always makes you better and never takes you backwards. Let me say that again. God always makes you better and never takes you backwards. Everything God has for you is better than you've had and better than you think. This ministry, uh, years ago, uh, we, our slogan was going beyond limitations, and we had a television ministry that reached seven different um, uh, networks and television stations and, and, and our area and it was on daily in some places and, and it was on once a week in other places and so on and, and so we, we, we thank God for that but the, the program is called Going Beyond Limitations and I got it right here from Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 now unto him who is able to do this God is a doing God and he's an able God he's able to do what you can't do for yourself he's able to do what? exceedingly that word exceedingly means to go beyond your supposed limitations. Whatever the devil's put in your way, whatever block it, Kate, he's put in your way, whatever label he's put on your back 
to limit you, God says, you're going to be exceedingly, I'm going to be able to do for you, you're going to go beyond your supposed limitation. The only limitation you're going to have is the limitation you put on yourself, but no devil in hell, no person on the block can hold you back from God's destiny. Exceedingly, what do you say? Abundantly, that means until it overflows, above all, above all that you ask or think according to the power that works in us. In other words, he's saying, I put better in you than what you're putting out. Your output is not as good as it can be, but if you allow me by faith to work in you, the foundation of the world, I've already settled it, who you're going to be, and if you allow that to happen in your life by faith, it will be better than you could ever imagine. It'll be exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think according to the power of the Holy Ghost that works inside you. Just say, right Right now, right where you're at, say, God's got better for me. Hallelujah. And the next time somebody walks out on you, hey, you say, he's got better for me. When they tell you that your last day is on Friday, you say, he's got better for me. When they don't invite you out to lunch with everybody else, you say, he's got better for me. Don't let that rejection spirit get on you. God's got better for you. Don't let some sort of condemnation get on you. God's got better for you. Don't let insecurity rise up in you. God's got better for you. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I press now, I press now, I press now toward the mark of the high call of God. God wants you to press ahead. This is not a moment to shrink back. I know COVID-19 has snuck up on us once again, but we're going to push it back. We're going to press in. We're going to believe God. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep advancing in God. And I bind every spirit of fear and stress and anxiety that would come upon God's people. I rebuke you now in the name of Jesus Christ. Let peace now reign, Lord God, as we recognize that you're about to give us better, better, better than we've ever had before in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Your future is not hinged on them. Your future is hinged on him. Come on, somebody. He's got better in store for you. Look, I haven't preached my best message yet. I haven't wrote my best production yet. I haven't had my best testimony yet. I haven't lived my best life yet. God's got better for Jeff Pruitt, and God's got better for you as well. I hear someone saying, well, preacher, if God's got better for me, then why hasn't happened yet? I'll tell you why. Because better is a process. Better is a process. And you might be in the middle of the process, so it's hard to see the forest for the trees. You're in the middle of it, so it's very difficult. But when you get a God's eye view, they call it bird's eye view. I call it God's eye view. And you look down, it's a whole different perspective. You're closer to the, the, the next of your life. You're closer to the better of your life than you've ever been before. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. Keep operating in faith. Keep speaking the word of God. To get the promise, you've got to be willing to go through the process. That's the question. Are you willing to go through what it takes? This is what happened with Joseph. Bible said Joseph dreamed a dream. I talked about this on Thursday night, by the way. And if you didn't get that message, get it. It's powerful. It'll help you in the area of dreams and visions. And he had a dream, and the dream spoke of him being better, even than his family members, but much better than he was in life. And he was unknowing. How could he know? Of the process he would have to go through in order to be able to get to that better place. He didn't know there was going to be a pit and that his brothers would sell him out into slavery. He didn't know 
that there'd be a Potiphar's house and he'd be lied about and then thrown into prison, treated like a common criminal, a rapist. He didn't know he'd spend years in prison uh, and being forgotten about. But you know, the Bible says that God was with him wherever he went and that the favor and hand of God was upon Joseph even when he was in the pit, Potiphar's house, or in the, in the, in the, in the prison itself. Did you know that? And here he is, and he's, he's, um, he's, going, he's, he's going through his daily routine, and he interprets dreams, and the, the Pharaoh has a dream, and, and one of the people that got set free, the butler, the baker, got set free. And one of them said, we know a man who can interpret your dreams when no one else can, and they brought him before the Pharaoh, and he interprets the dream just absolutely accurately. And in one moment in time, within 24 hours, his whole life changed. He's, at, from a, he's in a prison, and now he's in a palace. But he was willing to go through the process to get better. Church, you must be prepared for the process. Some of you aren't. I'm being real honest with you. Some of you just aren't, but I believe you're going to be. I believe you're going to be. Some of you are in the middle of it. You are prepared. Before manifestation, there's always first preparation. Preparation comes before manifestation. You see, the better has already been prepared. It's the recipient of the better that has not yet been prepared. Proven. The better has already been built. Now God is trying to build you up so you can handle what he has prepared. He is Jehovah Jireh. Which means what? His provision, the better. The provision, what you don't have, the better shall be revealed to you. So there's something else coming to you that God's about to open your eyes to to make you better in life. Abram, he makes his name Abraham. I'm going to make you better. You're not gonna, you have no children, but the day's going to come. You're going to become a father of a multitude. Look from the place you are, Abram, to the place I'm taking you. It's going to be much better. Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. Past tense. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He's already made. He's already prepared. God's already destined the better for your life. He's alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the end. Come on, somebody. Shout with me just a little bit. He's alpha and omega, beginning and the end. What he starts, he finishes. What he finishes, he already started. Hallelujah. There's no need to wait on God. God's waiting on you. Church, your blessing is waiting on you. Your future wife is waiting on you. Uh, your future husband is waiting on you. Miracles are waiting on you. Businesses are waiting on you. Ministry is waiting on you. Just everybody say, just say, hurry it up then. Hurry it up. Because <laughs> I can hear people go, where is it? It's coming. God's preparing you for much more. He's preparing you for a better day. He's preparing America for a better day. The day is going to come where this will be behind us. And we'll look and we'll say, the Lord did like he did with the children of Israel. And he brought us out of a place of bondage. But there were plagues that were along the way. But he kept his people in perfect harmony and in perfect peace. And he brought us out to the promised land just like he promised us. That's the miracle. That's the better day that God is talking about. Let me ask you, are you willing to go through the process? Are you willing to go through what it takes? I was in Madison. I told you the story, I think, last week. And we were there to start a church. I was in Madison trying to start a church. I was trying to build a church. And God was trying to build me. He was trying to prepare me for a better day. Milwaukee was ready for me. But I wasn't ready for Milwaukee. I didn't know that then. Why? I was in the process. Or we can say the processor. 
You ever throw something in the processor, it, gets, it just bounces around, gets grounded up to powder? Yeah, that's what the process feels like sometimes. But at the end, come on, you're going to turn all that lumpy flour and butter and stuff into a beautiful cake. Hallelujah. Pretty good analogy right there. Look, I don't need yours. You're better, and you don't need mine. I want all that God has for me. I want all that God has for my family. And you should be the same way. God, I want, I, I, want, I want to have what you have for me. I remember when I was a young man, as a young preacher in my early 20s, and I remember crying out to God, God, I don't want to be something I'm not, but everything that I am. You know when you say certain things, you know it's prophetic, you know it's by the Spirit of God. And I said that, and I knew that was by the Spirit of God. I don't want to be something I'm not, but I want to be everything that I am. And it was a revelation to me that I didn't have to try to be somebody else. I didn't have to try to... Um, mimic somebody or, or compare myself to somebody. God made me the way he made me and had to reinforce in me that people would be drawn to me through my preaching, teaching, study, all that, that, that were called to me. And I had to believe that with all my heart. That's why the Bible says, do not covet. Don't covet. Don't desire what somebody else has or owns. Because when you desire somebody else's life, it's like you slap God in the face, like, God, you don't know what you're doing whatsoever. But I do, and I know what I want. I want to ask God to free you this morning in the name of Jesus to be all who God created you to be. It's just that you're in the process right now, and the process isn't fun. And sometimes we don't like ourselves in the process. Sometimes stuff comes out of us in the process that we wish never came out of us because it can be ugly, right? Going through the wilderness is hot and sweaty and tough. It's a process, right? Being in a prison, in a pit, it's a process. You're not pretty during that time. But i got to learn to say, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be so thankful that when I get on the other side of this, I'm going to be so much better. Remember God tells Abraham, get out of your country and from your family to a land that I will show you. So God has already prepared a land. He prepared it pre-Abraham's trip to find it. I'm trying to get you to understand, God's preparing better for you. The Garden of Eden was made first, and then God places man and woman in the midst of the garden. He prepares the better first, and then puts man in that place of preparation. Hebrews 4.2, let's read it again. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So the children of Israel are out there roaming around the mountain 40 years. They're going through all the process that, that they're going through, and much of it was unneeded. All of it was probably unneeded, to be honest with you, except for the first time around. And I got to thinking about that and said, you know, Lord, if anybody's going to be out there for a long period of time, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess with anybody's faith. After a while, you know, you're going to start thinking, is it ever going to happen? Is this ever going to come to pass? Am I ever going to see the light of day? Will this ever change? Yes, this too shall pass in the name of Jesus. You don't have to keep passing around the mountain. I believe with all my heart that God only required them to go around it once. And then right into the promised land. Or right by it, or however you want to look at it. But not for 40 years. He didn't bring them out to leave them there. And he didn't bring you out to leave you where you're at. You're just being prepared for your better. Start mingling with faith. Start speaking, declaring, I'm going through. I'm not staying here forever. This is just a bump in the road. 
and I'm going into my next place of blessing. Hebrews says, the word they heard did not profit them, having not been mingled with faith. The word of God is the seed. It's the seed of God. It, it literally is the potential of life. But how many knows the seed needs an egg to produce a child? Well, you look at it this way. The word of God is the seed of God, but your faith is the egg. No matter how potent, how powerful the seed is, if there is no egg, where there is no faith, life cannot take place. Faith without works, because that's what faith is, working out what you believe. Faith without works is dead. All this life around us, hearing the word of God, you're hearing it this morning, right now. All this life around us, but if you don't have faith, the life has no way to connect to the egg to produce the better in your life. By the way, I believe everybody needs to live right. Matter of fact, I believe God's calling his people to live right in this day and hour. But I put this in here because I wanted to say this to you. Because sometimes people get condemned that they feel like, well, I haven't done right and I've done wrong and, you know, and, you know, I've struggled and I've had my, my problems and sometimes I cuss and sometimes this happens and I, can, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame God if he didn't want to give me better. But that's the spirit of condemnation and God's not giving that to you. What he's given you, he's given you the ability to repent and get things right. I believe in living right. But let me tell you what the Bible says here. Because the Bible says when we looked at Abraham, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. If you study Abraham out in his life, you'll find he was not a perfect man. But because he had faith in God, that faith made him righteous. Sometimes I believe we get so caught up in what we're doing wrong that we never step out in faith. But actually the act of faith of doing what God asks us to do in obedience is what makes us right. Amen, somebody. And you just got to look in the word of God. And you'll see there's liars. God used them. Killers. God put his anointing on them. Cheaters. Womanizers. Manipulators. And God put his hand. When God calls somebody, he calls them. And they'll answer to God for their sin, no doubt about that. But, but if you live a repented life, even though you've been some of these things, God can get you ready for your better. We see it over. It, the, the scriptures are replete with it. Over and over and over, we see God using imperfect vessels to bring forth a perfect word in the earth or a perfect scenario in the earth. I heard God say two mornings ago, I'm rolling out my plan from heaven. I'm rolling out my agenda from heaven. And I've been sensing God on the move quite a bit that I've been seeing angels coming by the, the multiplied, I'd say thousands, but that's just to America, but around the world, millions and God's gearing up for something here. Uh, I believe he's shown me some of it, and I'll release that when it's time. But I will tell you this, is that he has an agenda he's going to fulfill. And then I saw him, like his, not him, but I saw his hand, and he slid across the table over toward me, and his hand was pointing like this on the piece of paper, and it was written in red, the blood of Jesus, and it said victory, victory. What kind of life would you live if you knew this morning that no matter what happened, you were going to live in victory. What kind of decisions would you make right now if you knew you were going to live in victory? What kind of life would you lead? 
What kind of, um, how would you walk out the purposes of God that he's given you if you knew beyond a shadow of doubt you were going to win? I'm here to tell you, you are set up by God to win. He's not calling you to stay in the wilderness. He called you out to bring you in. Somebody say amen and amen. Hallelujah.